Welcome to What is Truth? The radio show devoted to asking the question, what is truth? Now your hosts, doctor and pastor of Grace and Truth Church in Amherst, Michael Caesar, and co-host Johnny D. Want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers! I want the truth! You can't handle the truth! Do like Jesus said, search the scriptures and you'll know what is truth. Amen. Welcome to another Sunday morning edition of the What Is Truth radio show. Dr. Michael Caesar here in studio on a sunny day. Hoping you're having a nice, a beautiful morning yourselves. We've got our panel of truth tellers with us. I've got uh, John Giuseppe, my partner in truth. Good to be here. Good to have you. And uh, Mark Sassy, our uh, researcher and a student of the Word of God. And we Amen. have been doing a highlight series. We had finished the a crucifixion and resurrection right around Easter time. And we rolled right from that into the next work as uh, the apostle Luke begins to tell us what Jesus did when he showed himself alive after his passion, which would be his uh, resurrection by many infallible proofs being seen of them, the believers for 40 days and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. And we started last week looking at that and noticing how he had told them there's going to be a promise that's going to come from my father and you're going to get the power from my father and the power is going to uh, allow you to be witnesses unto me. And the whole book of the Acts of the Apostles is a history book Amen. of how Jesus Christ begins to build his church, the true church, the one true church of the born again Christian believers in Jesus Christ. And and we, we discussed last, last week that, that many people out there, they think that Christianity starts with Christmas day and ends on Easter Sunday. <laughs> and they, there's, <laughs> yeah, there's so much more between. And, and that's, and that's the God's honest truth. Yeah. You talk to people yeah. and, and um, it's, it's a wonderful book on, on the commandments that Jesus gave these apostles and their walk and what they to get through and then how they, 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 they grouped off. Cause you wonder, people will ask you, uh, really how, how did, how did the, the, the gospel get to certain areas of the world? Well, it all stems from here. The, and it's not only the apostles show too, it was, yeah. it was apostles and disciples. Absolutely. There was many more disciples folks in the world than there were apostles. The apostles, it was like, was like Amway. They got yeah. six and you got six and they got six and it was like multi-level marketing. Right. As, yeah. but, as, but as silly as that sounds, it grew like like a branch out That's there and covered well, the earth, inspired by the Holy Ghost. Amway is copying what God did in the Acts of the Apostles. Amen. It's not God copying them. <laughs> no, no. It's them no. copying what he did. <laughs> Amen. Amen. It says in verse 8 of Acts 1 that you should be witnesses and it ends with unto the uttermost part of the earth. What's the uttermost? How about the Aborigines in, in Australia? How about in the sure. deep, dark continent of Africa? You know, sure. in, in the most remote places, the gospel has reached. And people from all walks and all manners of life and all parts of the earth, they seem to know Jesus Christ. That's right. They yeah. might be confused because they haven't read the book, but God requires you to read the book. So that's, that's what we urge people. Now, last week when we were reading through the Acts of the Apostles and, and we began chapter one, verse one, and we got to the paragraph marking in verse 11, we were noticing that uh, Jesus is instructing his men. It's the 40 days he's going to be with them until uh, he's taken up. And it says, and here he is uh, speaking those last words are read, telling them 
Uh, my Father is going to send you the power of the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost will come upon you in verse 8, and ye shall be witnesses unto me all the way to the uttermost parts of the earth. And then verse 9, 10, and 11 is interesting. It's an important teaching all by itself. Yes. Now, Mark, read those verses. So as I'm about to read verse 9, I just want to say in verse 3, it says that Jesus, that he was being seen of them 40 days. Yes. So... To get an idea of what's going on, there was the crucifixion on Mount Calvary, and the the Bible says that the gospel is that Jesus died for our sins, according to the scriptures. Yes. He was buried, and he rose again the third day, according to the scriptures. Yes. And then after that, he came back, and he was seen of them 40 days. And now, at this point, verse 9, and when he had spoken these things, while they beheld, he was taken up, and a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven... As he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, which also said, Ye men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus, which is taken up from you into heaven, shall so come in like manner, as ye have seen him go into heaven. Amen. Sounds like a promise. It's a promise. promise, And there's so many words in that section about they beheld their sight. They looked, they were gazing, uh, as ye have seen. So with their own eyes, physically, yes. they watched it. Their eyewitnesses is what you were. Yes. Okay. And the same thing, like this, these two men, these two angels, they say, as ye have seen him go into heaven, in same like manner he shall come. So it's a promise that God's coming again. Jesus is coming again. The, 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 Lord, the Lord's return. He, it, this is something that uh, he had said uh, I remember back in the book of Matthew when uh, his men asked him uh, some questions about, uh, uh, Lord, tell us, when shall these things be? What shall be the sign of thy coming and of the end of the world? And Jesus talks two chapters about it, Matthew 24 and 25. But they connect his coming with the end of the world. Yes, and the Bible doesn't mean like he's going to destroy the earth because the Bible is clearly tells the difference between the earth, which is the planet, and the world, which is the system that men have organized top side of the planet. I used the, to be so confused on that. Can oh, you say that and repeat that one more time? Yeah, well, the earth is the planet. In, in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. Yes, but the world speaks of the system that men have put together. We have a, a world system. And within our world system, there are different types of governments. There are different types of religions. There are different types of economies. But- and, and so the reason why I was confused, because the Bible says, love not the world, neither the things that are of the world. Yes. And I used to be confused and I used to think, but didn't God create the world? Actually, he created, created the, the earth. earth. Thank you. He created the earth. Great point. And uh, and so, yes. And and so he, he was explaining, when I return, it's the end of the world. Uh, later on, the Apostle Paul, who isn't right here in the beginning of the book of the Acts of the Apostles, he comes along a little later, and, uh, and Jesus instructs him, and he writes a book to the Galatians, Paul, an apostle to all the brethren and unto the churches of Galatia, grace and peace from God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins that he might deliver us from this present evil 
world. Amen. What he's saying is the world, the present world is an evil world, mainly because it's a, it's the people that have rejected the Lord Jesus Christ and you, his you, gift of salvation. You can see the corruption. Yeah. I mean, anybody who watches the news can see the corruption all around. This, is, this present evil world is a mess. When we were growing up, guys, a long time ago, uh, there was a, an empire over in the uh, in Asia called the USSR, right. the United Soviet Socialist Republic, a fancy name, but they were communists. They had taken over Russia in 1917 by a communist revolution. At one point, uh, Lenin, the man, I mean, these were evil communist men. Lenin had said, I don't know if it's written in a book, but uh, someone recorded it. He had said, all these men who are helping me get to power, as soon as I get to power, I'm going to kill them all. Yeah. The reason being, we're part of a revolution, and when I get in control, I don't want these people having a revolution against me. And he, and he killed all the people that helped him come to power. These were murderers. And one of the things they had in that country was they eliminated churches, and they wanted to eliminate belief in God. Right. That's part of this present evil world. Yeah. You know, I just... Um you always learn a little something from the show, show listener. I just learned that today. I mean, and again, we knew that, but to, to, to make it so clearly, there's a difference between the world and the earth. Yes. And those words. That the just, earth just, is the planet. That just cleared up a bunch the of things. The world is the system. That just cleared up a bunch of things for me. But it is saying over here, and again, um, it's prophecy. So so we come in like manner as you have seen him go into heaven. And a lot of people think that's going to be, um, well, a lot of Christians, it's misbelieved that that's when he's going to come back for the, for the tribulation, right? So, but the so the, maybe a simple way to consider that is there's two parts of the second coming, right. okay? So Jesus came the first time 2,000 years ago, and he died for our sins on Calvary's cross. Right. But yet you still must receive him, okay? Yes, he died for the sins of the whole world, but as many as received to, him, to them the gave he power to become the sons of God. So you need to receive Jesus in order right. to get that gift. Romans chapter 5 talks about a gift. You have to receive the gift. But anyways, so that was 2,000 years ago, the first coming. Now the second coming, there's the first part of the second coming. It has two parts. The first is the rapture, right. and the second is the revelation. Right. And in between those two is a period called Jacob's trouble or the tribulation period. Right. Now, uh, if you look at the rapture, the first half of that second coming, you can look in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, and it's pretty clear. Uh, Paul the Apostle, he writes here just in a few verses, he says, But I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep. Now he's talking about Jesus coming a second time, okay? Not for judgment, but to, uh, how does he say it? He says in the Bible, to, he's coming for his you saints. Know, the saints. Yes. So that would be people that are Christians, born-again Christians. So he says, But I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that you sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. For if we believe, there you go, for if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus, those would be people who have died, right? But when they died, their heart their was, heart was with the Jesus. Lord. They That's loved right. the Lord. They Amen. were part of mm -hmm. his body of, you know, the, the church. Yeah. So at the moment he comes back, there's going to be believers that are in the ground and believers that are above the ground. Correct. Yes. Yes. And it says, and God will God bring with him. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. 
For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we, which are alive and remain, shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. Amen. So that would be the first part of the second coming. The that's the second. good part. And, and that's the good part, but Jesus is not here. And, he, and the first part, notice it didn't say he's coming to the ground. Correct. He right. comes in the and air. he hovers above the ground right. in a cloud yes. and he calls all his believers up to him to join him in the cloud. Yes. And then for a seven year period, we're with him while that time of Jacob's trouble, the final week spoken of by the prophet Daniel because in that 24th chapter, Matthew, he told them, when you see the things that Daniel said, whoso read Daniel, let him understand. That's that seven-year period down here where this present evil world is being destroyed by God. And so so that's the world system. Right. Yes. You know, like, like, like the headquarters of, of the various governments in the United Nations and things like that. He's going to uh, clean them out. And Jacob is Israel. If you look in the book right. of Genesis, yes. Jacob is Israel. And in Jeremiah 30, verse 7, the Bible says, Alas, for that day, he's talking about the tribulation period, yes. that day is great, so that none is like it. It is even the time of Jacob's trouble, but he shall be saved out of it. Yeah. So so last week, for the listener, if you weren't with us last night, we, when, when um, we began Acts chapter 1, verse 4, and when he was assembled together with his disciples and he told them wait for the promise from my father they asked in verse 6 lord wilt thou at this time restore again the kingdom to israel uh, jesus would want to teach them in the acts of the apostles i want to build my church i'm not going to restore the kingdom to israel till after i've built my church my church is completed. I'm in the clouds. I call my church off the planet earth up into the clouds. And then we will begin the process of Jacob's trouble. I'm going to get rid of all the other kingdoms of the world so that when I come back and I put my feet on the ground, I can restore the kingdom to Israel. You need to have subjects. Yeah. You're going to have a kingdom. Uh, amen. But, but, and listener, when Jesus says he's, he's going to take his church, um, many of you, and I know it sounds silly, that's not bricks and mortar. It's, it's not one big building going up into the cloud. It's not the, the temple, if, if some people say, going up into the cloud. The church is, is anybody that is repented and take Christ as Savior, you're a part of his church. That's correct? what you were reading, Mark. Yeah. You, you said yeah. in, in First uh, Thessalonians 4, if we believe Bingo. that Jesus died and rose again, then those of us are alive and our remaining, we're going to get caught up in the clouds. All those, and he didn't even use the word died in Jesus. He said sleep. Yes. It's almost like their body is, the eyes are closed, and he's going to resurrect and awaken that body, wake the eyes up, and give them new body and bring them up. So, Amen. Yeah, it's, it's the believers in Jesus that comprises his true church. Amen. Well, that's that's the promise through the Bible is yes. if you believe in the Messiah, you'll yes. get everlasting life. And so even if you sleep, you shall be raised, just as he was raised. Now, the other thing that was interesting in the passage, and, and that is some deep theology. Yes. Uh, most um, 
uh, people that go to churches and most of the men that are in pulpits at churches don't know how to what the Apostle Paul said to young Timothy. He said, Timothy, I want to teach you how to rightly divide the word of truth. There are divisions in the Bible. There's the work God's doing with his church. Yes. Divided separate from the work God is doing with the nation Israel. And and the two, you call them the first and second stage are parts of the second coming. The second coming. Yeah, the, the rapture and the revelation. Right. Those two parts. The first part is for his church, calling them up into the clouds. Yes. The second part is coming back. And like he told the prophet in the Old Testament, and I'll read it to you. Again, the Old Testament prophets were Jewish prophets writing to the Old Testament saints who were the Jewish saints, not the church. And it said, behold, the day of the Lord comes, Zechariah chapter 14, the Lord, verse three, shall go forth, fight against all those nations. These are all the nations that they don't want to believe in the Lord. By the way, that would be, I guess, every nation on earth that I can think of today. Amen. I, I can't think of a single which makes up the world nation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I will gather all the nations. The cl- to, I think the closest battle. the closest might be some of the African nations right now. Uh, Nigeria, some of the leaders of some of those African nations. Some of them have a backbone, and they'll stand up for Jesus. Yeah, and and they alone may stand, but can they get their entire parliament mm. to say we're built on the Lord right. Jesus Christ? Right. No, you, you can't find a single nation like that. Yeah. But anyways, it does say when he comes back. His feet shall stand on the Mount of Olives before Jerusalem. He's going to come back. So the the work of the church, it's a spiritual work. It's gathered up in the air in the spiritual realm. Yes. The work of Israel was a physical work of a physical people in a physical nation. He comes back. His feet touch the ground. Are ye men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing? This same Jesus, which is taken up from you into heaven, shall so come in like manner. Have you seen him go into heaven? And what he means in like manner is uh, in his resurrected body. Amen. Amen. Like he said in the gospel of Luke, uh, handle me, touch me. Right. A spirit hath not flesh and bones. This is my resurrected body. The bodily resurrection of Jesus Christ and the belief in it is a cornerstone and a foundation of true faith. Amen. And for the listener, uh, you, and again, when you when you quoted First Thessalonians, that he says those that sleep. He doesn't say those that are dead or those that die. And if you go back to John eleven, yep, um, Jesus says to um, to Mary, I believe it was not not his mother, yeah, okay, a friend, a, a Mary friend, of a Bethany, friend, a friend, yeah, the the uh, sister of Lazarus, yeah. And he says um, twenty six, whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. Amen. Yeah. That's and good then he goes on, and then he asks a question: Believest thou this? So th- there's your there's your savior, folks. The wages of sin is death, right? Right. When you sin, you die. You will die in your sins. It's all yep. over the Bible. But belief in Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ Himself says, "You will never die." Yeah. Amen. And that's and that's something that brings the peace and the comfort that uh, no matter what tribulation you might be experiencing in this world, especially <laughs> when you know that when He makes that claim that if you believe in Me, then you shall never die, right? I am the resurrection and the life. That's coming from words are read from Jesus himself. There's no contradictions in the Bible. Nope. There's nothing ever been misproven in the Bible, all 66 books. Why not have faith in that? Because that's that's what he's offering. That makes it pretty easy. And another thing about this promise here in the Acts of the Apostles, this same Jesus, 
which is taken up from you into heaven, shall so come in like manner as you have seen him go into heaven. The last book of the Bible called the book of the revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave to him to show to his servants the testimony of Jesus Christ of things which will shortly come to pass when he's ready. It says, verse 7, Behold, he cometh with clouds, and every eye shall see him. Amen. They also which pierced him, and all the kindreds of the earth shall wail because of him. Not now, rejoice. Go ahead. No, I'm just, I'm just kind of plugging it in there. Are Christians going to wail, Mike? No. Why? Well, because we are now the kinder. Kinder means related to. We're related to God the Father through Jesus Christ and the new birth. A kindred of the earth is someone who's still related to earth through his first birth right. and has never been born again. We're not again. there. As Mark said, the beginning the beginning of the second coming, yeah. we are taken up. Yeah, we won't with, be with there. With those that sleep. So yeah. we will not be there. We will not be wailing. And you know what kind of wailing that's going to be? I think a lot of it's going to be like, oh boy. Oh, sure. Oh, oh boy. You mean, you mean to tell me, you know, so, so this was the true God. Yeah. This was, you know, it wasn't Allah, wasn't this, wasn't get all, all the way through, uh, you know, and again, those of us, like people of people that we've witnessed to people in our family that said they were right, you know, and the person that just doesn't even know God has no clue, was never witnessed to or whatever. I mean, it just, you're going to know, you're going to know you made a huge mistake. Every eye shall see him. It's every eye. Yeah. Which incidentally does away with some false uh, prophecies and beliefs that have gone on since the late 1800s uh, through the early 1900s that Jesus has actually returned. And appeared but, to a few. And he came to a few. Or Jesus uh, came spiritually, but but not physically. No, as you've seen him go, so shall he come. And when he returns, every eye shall see him. It will be a worldwide event. It's amazing to me. Yeah, it's amazing to me how all these, and some of these are religions that got that they got some legs under them and, and have congregations and, and teach, teach to believe in these things. And con, it's such, it contradicts in the Bible. Sure. It, it, you, you look at the Catholic Church. I mean, it, it says in, it was in Matthew six. It says, "Don't do repetitious prayer." Yeah. Don't do repetitious prayer. And here I got beads, and I'm saying the same uh, thing over and over. I mean, yeah. It, it called list, vain repetition. Vain, Jesus called vain repetition. Yeah. And I'm just, and, and it's just not only Catholic Church. You go through, you go to Jehovah Witnesses. You go through everything else. We always said, a needle in a haystack. Yeah. You know, Satan has done a great job. He's fragmented what some people call Christianity, and it's a needle in a haystack. And I know, listener, it's hard, but we always say, Mike and I, says, there is a needle in there. There's a and true prayer, silver, gold needle, a precious that's right. needle. And, and it, looks, it looks daunting, but with prayer, with prayer and the proper Bible, the proper word of God, a King James Bible, well, it's almost like the Lord gives you a magnet. Well, that's the key is a faith cometh by hearing, hearing and hearing by the word of God. If, if you don't hear the word of God... We, we've said it many times here. If you go to any assembly, it call itself a church, call itself a temple, call itself whatever, a campus, whatever it may be. When you walk in and the instructor, because Jesus is instructing his uh, disciples in the Acts of the Apostles how to go forth and to teach and preach the Bible. And we're going to see this chapter after chapter after Amen. chapter. They'll open the Bible. They'll teach from the Bible. If you go there... And, and you sit and you listen. And when you leave, you go, I didn't learn more about the Bible and God. You're in the wrong place. The church is the place of truth. And, it, and, it, and some churches, like John was saying, 
you walk away and you get the wrong idea. Uh, An unbiblical idea. For instance, yesterday we're out preaching the gospel on the street in the afternoon. And a car had its window down. And as the person was driving by, they yelled, Matthew 6, verse 8. And so Matthew 6, verse 8 is where Jesus is instructing them on the Lord's prayer. But he says, and after this manner shall ye pray. Not repetitively. Don't say those exact words over and over. Because like Pastor said, Jesus said, don't make repetitious prayers like the heathen do. Okay. But... So somebody, you know, whoever was driving by in that car wanted to urge to us, you know, pray the Lord's Prayer, pray the Our Father. But you're not supposed to pray it repetitively. It's supposed to be after this manner. After this manner. uh, Verse 5 of Matthew 6, 5. And when thou prayest, thou shall not be like the hypocrites. They love to pray standing in the street corners. No, that's... You're not supposed to be standing on a street corner praying. You're supposed to enter into your closet and pray. But you are supposed to stand on a corner and preach. Jesus preached. He would walk from town to town. Behold, the kingdom of God is at hand. Street preaching is the way you reach folks. Don't you? I stay away from that crap. I don't need to. Uh, You know, I have guy. I have people in my church. I'm. I have people in my church like Kevin and like you. I don't need to get into all that junk. You know, like Jehovah Witnesses and whatnot. That's why. Uh, you know, I've been I've been a save for 20 years, and I still will go to a an older brother in the Lord like yourself or like Kevin and say, you know, what do they say about the Jehovah Witnesses? I can't spend my time trying to understand their religion. Uh, no, but do they not think that Christ was Michael, the angel Michael, or something? Yeah, like there's that? all kinds all of kind confusion. Of, but but yeah. I just pointing that out, listener, because what you just heard Pastor Mike read from the King James Bible. If the people sitting in the pews put, put it open up on the thing, they say, well, wait a minute, this is not a Bible. This is a book that you, what book do they use? The, they use the Watchtower the watch, magazine. Yeah, and the magazine, what's it, and what's their, um, don't they have a Bible too? Well, they have a the, New World the, Translation, New World translation. Which changed. So they used to use a King James. You're talking about right. the Jehovah Witnesses. And in 1950, they got rid of the King James because it didn't fit their ideas. <laughs> what you think? So like, so <laughs> like, you know, without going down a bunny trail, they don't believe in hell. So they removed most everything about hell okay. from the Bible. So okay. they made their own Bible called the New World Translation. And for many, many years, they tell people thousands of times, this is the most perfect yeah. Bible in the world. And this but is yet key. they've changed it. Yeah, yeah. And this is key. And this, we, we talk about Catholic, we talk about Jehovah Witnesses. We could go down how many, how many uh, religions are there? But folks, if you're in there and if you got a book open on your lap and it is not a Bible, and I'll go one up, if it's not a King James Bible in English, in yep. English yeah. and you don't know it, you're getting duped. You are getting duped and you're putting your love, your time, your emotions and your money into something that's not, that's not Christ. Well, how do you know that for sure? The King James Bible. And how do you all know that of them for started sure? with, All of them started <laughs> with it and getting kicked it out. People, right. People. Because like Mark said, it didn't, it didn't back up what they're teaching. Yeah. And they know, listen, they know you're too stupid and lazy to go and look it up yourself. Well, I have people ask me, how do you know that for sure? How do you know about this King James Bible? I'm like, well, if you spend time reading it, God will show you. Amen. And, and all the important things and all the modern translations, all the modern English translations, the RSV, the NIV, the New World Translation, all those, they all fit together in the Catholic Bible. They all fit together, but they're missing the most important stuff, such as Calvary. They're missing the blood of Jesus, which is the only thing that can take away sin in the whole universe. They're missing a lot of important stuff yeah. that ought to clue you in. So <laughs> God is faithful. And God promised that he would give a book and God promised that he would preserve that book. Amen. 
And, and he gives the one true book and the devil tries to counterfeit what God does. And he'll have his counterfeits out there, but you can have the real and the true and the pure gods, the pure words of God. He said, have not I written to thee excellent things in counsel. Yeah, and that's what he's done. Now, we're going to continue. So I just wanted to get to that point that Jesus Christ is going to return. That's a great a promise in the Bible, something we're all looking forward to. But on the second half of the show, I want to take a look at how did he begin to build that church 2,000 years ago? And we'll return after a station break on what is truth. Amen. Amen. What is truth? What is truth? Want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers? I want the truth! You can't handle the truth! Do like Jesus said, search the scriptures and you'll know what is truth. Amen. And welcome back to the What is Truth radio show. We've been working our way through the first chapter of the first book, the only history book in the New Testament, the Acts of the Apostles. And we've seen how Jesus gave instruction to his men. He ascended up into heaven, promised he'd come again one day. But until he comes again, what is he doing? He is building the one true church of the living God on planet Earth. And this is going to show us how he did it. And so the disciples were there. They watched him go up into the cloud. They saw him go to heaven. And then verse 12 would pick up on the story historically. Yeah, so what's happening here, the Bible says, Then returned they unto Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet, which is from Jerusalem a Sabbath day's journey. I'll just say the Jews were only limited to a very short distance they could travel on the Sabbath Correct. because it was a day of rest. Yeah. And, then, and when they were come in, they went up into an upper room where abode both Peter and James and John and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew, James the son of Alphaeus, and Simon Zealots, and Judas the brother of James. So these are of the 12 apostles, there's 11 of them left yes. and they're gathered together. And what are they doing? So Judas, uh, Judas hung himself. Right. And so verse 14, these all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus and with his brethren, which would be his brothers. Okay. And you find that in Mark uh, 6, verse 3 and Matthew 13, verse 55, Jesus had brothers. And verse 15, and in those days... Peter stood up in the midst of the disciples, and he said, uh, the number of the names together were about 120. So that's a good, that's a good worship service. <laughs> Amen. 120 people. You got the uh, 11 apostles there. You've got uh, Mary. You've got uh, Jesus's brethren. You've got other believers, men and women, and they're all gathered together in prayer. And uh, Peter's got an idea. Yeah, so Peter stands up before them and he says, Men and brethren, this scripture must needs have been fulfilled, which the Holy Ghost by the mouth of David spake before concerning Judas, which was guide to them that took Jesus. Yeah. For he was numbered with us and had obtained part of this ministry. Now this man purchased a field with the reward of iniquity, and falling headlong he burst asunder in the midst, and all his bowels gushed out. So talking about the death of Judas. And it was known unto all the dwellers at Jerusalem insomuch as that the field called was called in the proper tongue uh, Al-Kadama? Aseldama. Aseldama, thank you. Yeah. This is to say the field of blood. For it is written in the book of Psalms, let his habitation be desolate and let no man dwell therein and let his bishopric let another take. So 
by that scripture, I'm just commenting now, Peter is thinking that uh, he needs to make the scripture fulfilled. Yeah. Yeah. Someone else has to fill in his role as the 12th apostle. The word bishopric in, in the authorized 1611 version, we, and we have a folio edition out there in our um, foyer, was like $1,100 to get that. They're very expensive. But they have what's called marginal readings. And in the margin next to bishopric is the word office. Let his office let another man take it. So he had the office of an apostle. The word bishop is in there, yeah. like an overseeing office. And uh, and Peter is, well, one of the things I want you to observe that Peter is doing, they were all praying. They were continuing with one accord in prayer and supplication. It's one of the things that we are encouraged to do in the Bible. One of the things that a believer does with God, God wants a relationship with a believer. Amen. And and it's a, a two-way relationship. God wants to talk to you through the words of the scripture, and he wants you to talk to him through prayer and supplication, praying for the supplies mm -hmm. that you need. And here they are. They're all doing this. This would represent a good uh, church worship service where people are together for one purpose. They're not there to talk about current events. They're not there to talk about each other. They're not there to get food. They're there to pray to their creator God, Amen. pray to their redeemer Jesus. And the other thing they're going to do is hear some Bible. And Peter decided, hey, let's teach some Bible. Yeah. Let me let me go back and let me find a, a good passage in the book of the Psalms, which is a great book. Amen. You guys agree that's right. a great book? Amen. Amen. I think it should be in the Psalms every day. Amen. It's the longest book of the Bible, 150 mm -hmm. chapters, and some of the chapters are short, and you can read a chapter a day, and you'll get a blessing Absolutely. reading the Psalms. So he was reading Psalm 109, and he thought, well, this is a good Psalm for the moment. It seems to me that uh, maybe we need, we've only got 11, 12 is a round number. Peter's a Jew. Yeah. He's probably thinking there were 12 tribes in Israel. Mm -hmm. We should complete this right. and have a 12th person. So he means well. Yes. But God takes care of taking care of prophecies. And so he, he if, if we read on a little bit, we see that he wants to make this happen. Yes. And uh, he's kind of stepping ahead of God in, in, in this particular instance. But you know. Well, you know how I know that? I got words are read. Jesus said, wait, verse four, wait, <laughs> yeah, wait for the promise of the father. Yes. Well, that's not going to happen until chapter two. Right. So Peter's doing like he did so many times to, before Peter is zealous and rambunctious. Jumps right in. And he jumps ahead. Yeah. And there are many times he did things where God had to correct him. Jesus had to correct him. Amen. One day he got so anxious, he picked a sword up and cut someone's ear off. Uh, and, yeah. and Jesus had to fix the situation. He stepped out of a boat. And, and God's going to fix this situation too later Amen. on in the eighth or ninth chapter. But right now God's not ready to Amen. pick the 12th apostle. Amen. So, so we'll take a look at it. It's right here, verse 21. Uh, the Bible says, Wherefore, this is Peter speaking, he says, Wherefore of these men, which have accompanied with us all the time that the Lord Jesus went in and out among us. So he's qualifying this as it has to be some men that were there and they were there when Jesus was there. And, and the eyewitnesses. And by the way, in the natural man, that sounds plausible. It but God is going to do something completely different. Well, when I first saw it. In the ninth reading. chapter. Yeah. He's yeah. going to pick a guy that didn't walk with Jesus Amen. for three and a half years. Amen. When I started reading the scripture, I mean, I thought this, I thought this was a, 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 um, a position of strength 
on Peter's part. Yeah. But this is how the Lord works with you. I'm talking about myself. And as I get to the ninth chapter, I said, now what? And not realizing and, and later on realizing that it's a picture of not being to being so impulsive. Peter is very impulsive, yeah. right? Because then again, not to go ahead of the story, but yeah, it, yeah. it falls upon Matthias. But you don't hear about Matthias at all or very little again. And it's funny because, you know, God didn't pick him. It's the same thing um, we talk about uh, Mary, the mother of Jesus. Yeah. Um, it's another thing I found crazy when it was being a former Catholic when I got in here. So where is she? There's only a few things about her, and she's she's a mother. <laughs> she's a mother. <laughs> if, if 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 I may, she was just mentioned in verse 14. They were all up there, the the eleven apostles, with the women and Mary and his brethren. That's the last time she's mentioned in the New Testament. Mm-hmm. You will not see her name mentioned again, because in the next chapter, the Holy Ghost is going to come and he's going to begin building the true church of Jesus Christ. And he doesn't allow her name to be mentioned from chapter two, Acts, all the way to Revelation 22, because she has nothing to do with building the true church right. of Jesus that's right. Christ. And that's not a disrespect to Mary. That's just the way no, God's just God. And, and she doesn't even speak <laughs> no. there in Acts chapter one. No. The only time she speaks and tells people what to do is in John chapter two, right? Yes. And you were just you were just saying it. this just the other day that mm-hmm. at the wedding feast of Cana they came to Mary, and she told the men, "Whatever he saith unto you, do, do it. it." Yeah, I'll read it. I want to read that to you. <laughs> Here they are. They're at the wedding feast, and the and she, and she comes to Jesus says they have no wine, and. Uh, Jesus is going to do what he's going to do. He goes into the corner to pray to his father. And then the mother says to the servants in verse five of John chapter two, whatsoever he saith unto you, do it. And the very next chapter, he says, ye must be born again. So if you want to follow Mary's command, do what Jesus said, get born again. Amen. Yeah. So Peter in this story, I mean, Peter is uh, zealous. He's got a lot of zeal. He's got a lot of energy and God loves that. But you can also Get ahead you know, of jump ahead of things. And so if I just finish the last few verses here, uh, this is Peter in, in verse 22. He says, beginning from the baptism of John unto that same day that he was taken up from us, must one be ordained to be a witness with us of his resurrection. He's speaking of a, a 12th apostle. And they appointed to Joseph called Barsabas, Bar- Bar- who was surnamed Justice and Matthias. And they prayed and said, Thou, Lord, which knowest the hearts of all men, show whether of these two thou hast chosen, that he may take part of this ministry and apostleship from which Judas by transgression fell, that he might go to his own place. And they gave forth their lots, and the lot fell upon Matthias, and he was numbered with the 11 apostles. What does that mean? For the end of one verse. What does that mean? What What lots they put forth? Whatever. Ouija board? No. No. At that time, lots are used two ways. There's drawing lots, which is like drawing straws. That giving for their lot means their vote. And so they're saying, who do you owe for? I vote for Matthias. So So they they took a democratic uh, thing and they decided to vote. So it wasn't, it wasn't something that, yes, uh, it wasn't supernatural. It wasn't supernatural. It was a natural event. Now, now Paul later on would write this because Peter was zealous. Yeah. Peter was a Jew. Peter was told, wait for my father's promise. Right. Peter 
He did this, by the way, in the book of John, too. After these things, Jesus showed himself to the uh, disciples at Tiberias, and he told them to wait. And when they were gathered together, Simon Peter said, I go a fishing. Who wants to go with me? And and he went off and just jumped into... Peter is, you make a good modern American. He wants to get things done and get them done right now. But we've learned in the Bible, you have to wait on the Lord. You have to wait for his instruction. <laughs> Paul would say this, I bear them record. They have a zeal of God, but not according to knowledge. For they, being ignorant of God's righteousness and his work, go about to establish their own. A Peter, being ignorant of God's Holy Ghost, telling him what to do, said, hey, why don't, why don't we figure out who's going to be the next apostle? That's the work. If you go back to Matthew chapter 10 and Luke, before Jesus chose the uh, 12 apostles, he spent all night in prayer asking his father. He had 70 men to choose from. You don't make a move without asking God. And this was... It shows shows Peter's personality too in John 21 after the Lord reproves him a bit, you know, feed my sheep. Um, And then then he's with John uh, and Peter and John are mentioned a lot together. Oh, so, yes, they, yes. You know, and, and Peter's, Jesus is walking up with John, and, and Peter says, seeing, to Jesus said, Lord, what shall this man do? Yeah. What shall this man do? Who does he think he is? You know? know what's and going she, on. And Jesus says, what is it to you? If I come, <laughs> then, then, then follow that Mind your own business. Mind your own business. And so, so we're, seeing, we're seeing poor Peter, but we're seeing ourselves. Bingo. Don't be concerned about everybody else. Be concerned about me and you, our relationship, not your neighbor's relationship with me. You know, and you and know. and how about keep your eyes on what the Lord is keep, doing? Keep your eyes and on it. Wait on Him. Don't get ahead of me. Right. So like, Pastor, a lot of lessons in Peter. Well, for the, <laughs> yeah, for, you know, good lessons. Yes. Yeah. Pastor pointed out in verse four of Acts one, it says Jesus said, "Wait for the promise of the Father." Right, and he forgot to wait, and so he's supposed to be looking for that. What are we supposed to be looking for? Here we are in the year 2023, right? People think about Christmas. They think about Easter. They think about different holidays, right? Or birthdays or whatever. But what, according to God, what are we as Christians supposed to be looking for? We're supposed to be looking for his glorious appearing, right? We're supposed to be looking for him coming again, just like those two angels talked about in like manner. As you saw him go, you're going to see him come again. And so we're supposed to be looking for him to come and then we're supposed to keep ourselves clean from sin because we know that he's coming soon. Yeah, amen, amen. Now, and again, he does start, it's in, listener, when we go, what chapter is it, Mike, when Peter uh, gets the vision to go to the centurion when he's up fasting and and uh, he gets the vision. And chapter he doesn't, 10. Oh, chapter 10. Yeah. And we don't have to go there. I'm just saying, <laughs> listeners, as you listen, we get to chapter 10. Uh, it's beautiful when you look at Peter. There's so much the Bible has to offer. It's, you know, you, many of us have, these tendencies, right? But Peter does start toning it down and he does, and the Lord does what works with him in a beautiful way. And he writes a couple of beautiful books. So so you see the growth process. And that's exactly what the apostle John wrote about is we begin our relationship with the Lord as little children. Mm -hmm. When we first meet him, we don't know much about the Bible. When I first got saved, I mean, I was excited. Someone had brought me to Bible study. I got excited. I got saved. I asked the Lord to be my savior. Then I went to the next Bible study and I realized, wow, we're only in one book. There's 65 other books. I don't know anything about them. I don't know where they are. I don't know their names. I had to put little tabs in my Bible so I could find where a book was. When somebody said, turn here, where, where am I turning? I mean, you know how it is. It's difficult. And you grow from a little child and then you grow 
through the adolescent years, and then you finally grow to the point where you can be a what they call a father in the faith. And we're watching Peter's growth process, and it's put on the pages here, I think, to encourage us. I think, I think aside Nathaniel, which you don't talk too, too much more about, Peter had the biggest personality there. There were 12 men oh, yeah. and they were all fishermen to come and they were yeah. all different, had different. And what does the Lord say you, you need to do? You need to humble yourself. And yeah. Peter is, is a great lesson of, of the personality that of the apostles that probably had to be humbled the most. And, and he was an older man when he came to the Lord. Yes. I think he may have been the oldest of all the apostles. John was like 16, was 17 years mm-hmm. old, yeah. but Peter was in his mid to late forties. He had a wife, he had a mother-in-law, he had all kinds right. of things mm-hmm. going on. He had a business, yeah. all this type of things. And and so you come to the Lord later in life, you've got a lot of learning to do. And a yeah. little baggage. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, a little baggage. <laughs> so, so now we get to um, the second chapter where the promise finally comes. Yes. And this is exciting. So in chapter two, maybe go to about verse 11. Okay, good. Okay. So this is Acts chapter two. The Bible says... And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of fire, and it sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost, and began to speak with other tongues, as the Spirit gave them utterance. And there were dwelling at Jerusalem Jews, Devout, I'm sorry, devout. devout men out of every nation under heaven. Now, when this was noised abroad, the multitude came together and were confounded because that every man heard them speak in his own language. And they were all amazed and marveled, saying one to another, Behold, are not all these which speak Galileans? And how hear we every man in our own tongue, wherein we were born? Parthians and Medes, Elamites, and the dwellers in Mesopotamia, and Judea, and Cappadocia, in Pontus, and Asia, uh, Phrygia, Phrygia, and Pamphylia, and Egypt, and in the parts of Libya about Cyrene, and strangers of Rome, Jews and proselytes, Cretes and Arabians, we do hear them speak in our tongues the wonderful works of God. In our language. Yeah. yeah. In our language, That's listener. Right. Yes, in our right. language. Yeah, it's, it's mentioned I mean. a couple times are about language, and they were given a gift of languages. Yeah. These days you hear a lot about people talk about a gift of tongues, right? It's a spiritual yeah. gift of tongues. They were given a gift of languages. They were hearing, they were amazed, and they were marveling, because how, how can all these Galilean men speak and, and this Arabian can understand him in his language and the Cretan and all these different, the Roman, all these people, they hear them. That's, that's God. Yeah. Well, the, the Holy Ghost, that's one part of the Godhead. There's the Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost. Mm-hmm. And God knows all the languages on planet Earth. He's the one that gave the Amen. gift of languages on planet Earth. Amen. Talks in the book of Ezekiel that he is the father of speech. He put it in us that why we are not animals. We are made in his image. He can speak words. Uh, he, so we can speak words. We can understand words. And he knows every language on earth. Anyone that wants to call out to God, he knows that language. And Amen. This just reminds me, verse 5 there, it says, they were dwelling at Jerusalem Jews. Correct. Devout men out of every nation under heaven. Correct. If I flip to 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 1, verse 22, it says, for the Jews require a sign, and the Greeks 
seek after wisdom. Yes. So now if you're listening and you're thinking, okay, I'm not Jewish. So I guess that would put me in the, in the category of Greeks. And how many times have you heard throughout your lifetime that, you know, education, that's the number one thing, education, education, got to get more and more education. That's going to build you up. Right. And so right there, that verse in the Bible, Jews seek a sign and the Greeks seek after wisdom or yes. education, right? Yes. But these, this is a sign for the Jews. A- absolutely. It, it says later on in that same book of Corinthians in the 14th chapter, wherefore tongues are for a sign, not to them that believe. Believers don't need tongues, but the, to them that believe not. And there was a whole bunch of people out there in the crowd that at that point didn't believe the gospel, but they needed to hear the gospel. So God had them speak and in their own language they could hear. And the sign was to show them, you need to believe this gospel. Amen. It's interesting. The verse that I went to and the verse you went to, I went 1 Corinthians one twenty-two. You went 1 Corinthians 14.22. There you go. Interesting. So... So, yeah, so they're given this gift of languages, and God's doing a new thing here, right? Absolutely. There's been this Old Testament going on, and God is now building no longer the nation Israel at the moment. He's kind of putting them aside for a little bit. Sure. They're still his chosen people. Yep. They're still a holy nation unto God. Correct. But now he's doing a new work called the church. Absolutely, because it's going to say, they're going to, great sermon. We're not going to get to it today. We're running out of time. No, but, but we're going to read this, one of the great sermons of the Bible given by Peter. Amen. And what it says is when they, at the end, he, with many words, he spoke to them and he said, save yourselves from this untoward generation. And they that gladly received his word, they joined and about 3,000 souls were added to the church. God begins building his church through preaching the gospel and to all people of all languages. He wants anyone to come in. Yeah, that's a wonderful, that's a wonderful um, uh, sermon that he gives, but you got to look if we could end and talk about 12 and 13. So you have all these um, tribes, not the tribes of these nations, these people from all these nations, they hear all this, they see, don't forget, they, they felt, the day of Pentecost comes, there came a sound from heaven. Yes. They saw fire above the apostles like a covenant. They're seeing all these things. I don't they know he- that they did. Okay. I don't know that they did. I think what happened is in verse one, they were all, this is the people from chapter one. This would be the the 11 uh, apostles right. plus this 12th one, Matthias, uh, plus Mary. And they were all in that room. And in that room, this was an event of God moving his spirit into the people in that room that he was choosing for preaching. I think those in the room saw it, all that were knew the Lord, all that were praying to Lord, they saw it. But I think once they went out into the, uh, the crowd there and started speaking, I think all these folks out there heard was the gospel in their language. And it was confounded. Yeah. By that, right? Well, I mean, that is a strange. It's, like, it's a strange thing. Look, I I did a, a missions trip. I've done a few missions trip. I was in Zimbabwe, I was in South Africa, I was in uh, the Netherlands for a little bit in Europe, and I stopped over in Saudi Arabia just for a bit. I didn't speak any of those languages, and I remember they wanted me to uh, teach in Mexico at one point, and I needed a translator. It would have been an incredible thing for me to get in front of that crowd, start speaking in English, and everybody hear me in their language. Exactly, exactly. That's, that's quite an impressive sign. But it's very yeah. impressive sign. But, but, but what does man do? And they were all amazed and were in doubt. 
saying one to another, what meanest this? Others mocking said, these men are full of new wine. In other words, they're drunk. Yeah. Again, you know, and again, it's just, there's so many pictures of man today of how he's doing. I mean, but they, they're seeing it. Whether whether you're confused by it or not, they, they admitted everybody was hearing it in their own language. It's a miracle. Well, they're witnessing right. a miracle. Whether they're confused by it or not, what's man's yeah. but, first but, impulse? Well, the, uh, the other thing is it's a miracle, uh, a miraculous presentation of the gospel by preaching. Sure. Yes. And they're hearing the gospel because that's what he preaches. He talks about Jesus of Nazareth. He talks about all these things. We'll get into the sermon next week. But what you're seeing are the different types of responses to the gospel. The, uh, Jesus said, uh, behold, a sower went out to sow seed. And when he sowed the seed, some of it fell on stony ground. Some of it was plucked up by the fowl of the air. Some of it went into thorns and weeds and some brought forth a good fruit, you know, good mm -hmm. ground. And you're hearing the guys amazed. Wow, that's great. That's the good ground. Right. Some of it mocking. That's uh, the, the, the devil mocking at things. Some of them are in doubt. Well, that's choked by weeds and thorns. And these are the different types of response Amen. to truth. So, you know, how did I first respond to truth when I heard it? I was a little bit in doubt of it. You mean you tell me that this person 2,000 years ago died for my sins and all my sins are paid for. I was always taught I had to be a good boy. I had to stay with the sacraments. I had to do all this. And you, you're just telling, I'm a little doubtful compared to what I've heard. So the different responses. Now, thankfully, I kept going to the Bible study. And over time, the more I read the Bible, I said, well, that makes perfect sense. This is God's son. He did all this. Amen. Yeah. In my case, I can think of it as you, when you grow up in a religion, whatever religion it may be, you grow up in that religion and that religion becomes your shield. Correct. And, and you think, okay, I'm safe because I am whatever it may be. Right. It, it takes doubt to step outside. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, and so now all of a sudden, now if you read in the scriptures and you're reading in the Bible, the words of Jesus, and somehow Jesus is saying, he must be born again, except a man be born again. He cannot enter into the kingdom of God. So that doesn't quite fit with, you know, yeah. what I grew up with. Right. So for me, I, I guess I, I've said this before on other shows, but I'll say it again. The thing that really struck me was two things. Number one, the Bible makes it clear that we're all sinners before God. Yes. Doesn't matter how good you think you've been. Even a religious person. Even a religious person. The right. Bible says there's none that doeth good, no, not one. Right. And then the second thing was in 1 John 5, where he says, these things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that ye may know that you have everlasting life. And religion doesn't promise that. It gives you a hope so, maybe, it might work out. We'll find out when I finally meet God. Yeah. But this book is telling you can know for sure right now if you come God's way. And that's what, that's what has to break you out of religion. Yeah. Because this book is not about religion. The whole Bible is about Jesus, mm -hmm. not religion. Yeah. And so Jesus saves not your good works or so, not your, not well, you your know, membership of you know, a church. We're running out of time, but one of the things that, that we do listen or we witness, we'll, we'll say to somebody, we'll say, if you die today, would you go to heaven? And if you say, I think so, I hope so, I pray so, would you pray for me? Whatever it might be, okay, you're probably not. Most likely you're not. But do the reverse. If you want to prove us, go to one of us. If somebody's out the street preaching and they're saved Christians, go to them and say, if you die today, would you go to heaven? And listen to that answer. <laughs> 
Yes. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Why? Because <laughs> Jesus died for my sins yes. and rose again. And I believe that. Yeah. And, and the Bible says so. And the Bible says so. Yeah. It's, it's the whole reverse. Go ahead, Mike. Well, okay, we're running out of time. We're going to be with you again next week on the What Is Truth radio show. Gentlemen, do you want to take time to look at the sermon that Peter preached? You think it's instructive oh next week? Okay, it's, then, it's then we're going to we'll be with you a little bit. in we'll, chapter you know. two of the Acts yeah. of the Apostles. We're going to look at the first sermon Peter preached this time, not by his own you know, thoughts and his own zeal, but the, the Spirit Ghost. of God telling him what to say. Amen. And it's a great sermon. And again, faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. We're going to hear it next week. And until we meet you next week, go to our website. We're sponsored by Grace and Truth Church. It's a long word. You got to spell it out. Grace, A-N-D, Truth Church. Got to put church there, dot O-R-G. Hit the sermons tab, hit the YouTube, and you can watch the old shows and listen to some of the teachings. And uh, until we meet you next week, do like Jesus said. Search the scriptures and you'll know what is truth. Amen. You've been listening to What is Truth, the radio show devoted to asking the question, what is truth? Listen every weekend at this time for What is Truth, only on WECK.